good morning again. Uh, I want to tell you that I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful that you're here uh, to share in some thoughts with me. I, I, I draw this lesson from listening to kids recite memory verses a number of years ago. We understand the term begotten. Evidently, he didn't. There was a little boy in church, and it was Sunday night before worship service, and I was listening to him recite memory verses, and he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten son. There are times it's difficult to be a preacher because you want to just bust out laughing, and you can't do it because you don't want to embarrass him. Well, I almost laughed out loud, and then... I almost cried because it occurred to me that he was perhaps more correct than he realized. The only forgotten son of God. And I don't want to just lament with you about that fact this morning. I want to offer some suggestions too about how we can remember him in the world. There is a mad dash for pleasure and wealth and comfort and excitement and I understand this. Our five-year-old, six-year-old granddaughter, however old she is, and Nita will correct me if I'm mistaken about it, so I'll just say five or six, went to her first spend-the-night girl's birthday party for all the members of her class at school, and she was so excited about this. They got to spend the night together, and I have no idea how long they stayed up laughing and talking and what a strain it was on the parents that were overseeing them that night and from that moment on, things are going to continue pretty much along the same line because she's already planning her next birthday party to have a spend-the-night party, and I don't want to be there for that. From there, it goes to graduation parties, to parties in college, and on and on it can go, and they get more and more exciting and more and more sometimes ungodly because we want excitement. We crave fun and pleasure. And not all fun and pleasure is wrong, and I do want you to understand that. But we want wealth, we want comfort, we want everything. And you're aware, because of the age that most of us have attained by this time, that all of life is not fun. There are some burdens to bear, there are some troubles, but there are some good times as well, and we just kind of take it all in. But I'm afraid the world has forgotten all about this. They don't realize what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 is actually true. Blessed are the meek, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for those people are going to be filled. Well, all of us are going to be filled with different things in this world. Blessed are the peacemakers. They're, they're going to be called the children of God. And, and how unnatural that is for us because somewhere along in this life, somebody's going to do or say something that offends every one of us. I mean, I've, I've been offended by comments that people have made about my sermons. That was not good. Well, I, I realize usually that it's not good, and I want to do better next time, and I'm just doing the best that I can. Uh, I'm not as young as I once was. I'm a little bit old. If I shine that light up there, it's going to waver a little bit. If I shined it with my left hand, it would be steadier but it wouldn't be on target either. Blessed are the peacemakers. 
And I wonder if anybody has ever looked at me and said, there goes a peacemaker. There goes one who's a child of God. And Jesus was correct when he said that. Or in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Uh, Lord, I come dragging my brother and I say, make him give me my share of the inheritance. And the Lord says in this passage, uh, who made me a judge or a divider among you? Don't you understand that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions? Well, surely it does, God. The more I gather, the happier I'm going to be. The more blessed I'm going to be. Not necessarily. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's not the one that dies to the most toys wins. Because the one who dies with the most toys can't take any of them with him. So we need to be sending some of them on ahead. Uh, there. There was an event that happened. In fact, it's happened twice at two different churches. These are not church people we're talking about. They're neighbors of ours or they're people who lived in the community. The one I'm thinking about in particular had a fire in her house. She was an elderly woman. The fire department came. They went in to get her out and she wouldn't be dragged out. They took several boxes of shoe boxes that she had in her house because they were filled with money. Now, I don't keep mine in a shoebox. Maybe some coins, but not dollar bills. Those are in my pocket or they're in the bank, kind of where they belong. And she didn't trust banks. She had them stuffed in shoeboxes. And she's going to die in that apartment with her money. She will not allow it to burn up. She was crazy. No. I think she's just like us. Maybe just a little bit exaggerated. And here's the world running around, having a great time, they think, and the end is coming where the times will not be so great. A more distressing charge to me is that Jesus is forgotten sometimes by the church. I don't know if we realize this. I think we give ourselves credit. We don't cuss much. We don't drink much. We're mostly honest, mostly. But if somebody gives me too much change, do I give it back to them? Do I try to do things honest in the sight of all men? What about a living sacrifice? Because that's where we kind of run into problems. In Romans, the 12th chapter, the first couple of verses, Paul uses this expression, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship, depending on the translation you read from. What does God expect of us? He expects us to live like Jesus did, to, to be a live sacrifice. Jesus died sacrificing himself, and God wants me to live and, and be a sacrifice and do those things that, that he finds to be necessary so that the world can look at me and say, there goes a Christian. Isn't he a good person? Isn't he a peacemaker? Doesn't he express meekness? Doesn't he hunger and thirst after righteousness? And a lot of times we don't. We're just kind of like the people in the world. We want to have a good time, and that's not wrong. 
But sometimes we get carried away with that. These passages that I have listed here, in the book of Romans, the 15th chapter, I just want to read one or two of these with you. In Romans chapter 15, Paul says something in the last couple of verses, no, the middle part of this chapter. 15, verse 14 and 15. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. But I've written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. Do you understand what he's saying there? You people are pretty good people. You really are. I'm proud to be a member of the Baldwin Church. We, we don't do everything perfectly, but we try. And I think that's what he's saying here. You, you people at Rome, you, you're a good church. You do what you can for God. But let me remind you. In fact, I've already reminded you very boldly about some mistakes that you're making. And we don't want to continue making those same mistakes. Here's the process of growth that we have in the Lord. Peter says the same thing, by the way, in the book of First, Second Peter chapter 1 and in chapter 3 at the same time. Uh, this is the second letter I've written to you about this. As long as I'm in this earthly body, I'm going to do everything I can to help you remember who you are and help you remember who Jesus is. Now, here's the church, and we're the church of the Lord. We want to do things the way he wants us to do things for his glory. I don't want to forget about him while we're in services, and I don't mean that we make a mistake when we cite a Bible verse or we sing a song or anything else. I think we just want to be honorable before all men. Like Paul suggested to the Philippian people, do, do things that are honorable in the sight of men. Men understand honor. But sometimes they don't see it in me, and sometimes the church forgets God. And we ought not to do that. I think he's forgotten in the home quite often. And I understand the busyness of life here. I watch it in my kids and my grandkids. They work 40 or 50 or 60 hours a week. They come home from work exhausted, and there are all of these activities that kids have now, the extracurricular things, and it's sports, and if you're involved in a sport, you also have the practices. Every day of the world, there's a practice of some kind. And then there are vacations that we have to have where we get off somewhere by ourselves to recover our sense of, of who we are and our, our opportunities to do good. And we're so exhausted we can't do any of that. Where's God in all of this? Do we have Bible studies in the home? Do you read to them or pray with them at night before you put them in bed? And I don't just mean the two or three or four or five-year-olds. I mean everybody. I look around at the kids here, and, and y'all are pretty good people. I'm proud to see the three girls back over here. Last Sunday, if you noticed, they sat with their parents with Mother's Day. And now they're back where they belong, and the guys are back there where, kind of where they belong. And you, you kind of sit together. You're not always with mom and dad. And that's a mark of independence that we ought to have and be allowed to have through the years. We ought to train them to sit in a worship service and behave themselves. 
And I don't mean when they're two or three years old. I do believe that, that, that kids get hungry and they get thirsty and they get tired. And we used to take Cheerios for hours to nibble on when they're two or three or four years old because Cheerios tend to blend in with the carpet. We didn't use Fruit Loops because that kind of stands out too much. But it's what we can do to glorify God, to show God, I, I love you, Father, and I'm here in services because that's where I belong on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. It's what we do in this life. The tragedy of the modern American society to me is found in the book of Genesis, chapter 18 and 19. And it's about Sodom and Gomorrah. And in chapter 18, the angels come to Abraham because God has said, the, the things that are going on in Sodom and Gomorrah have, have reached my ears. I, I, I know what's going on down there and something needs to be done about it. Well, in chapter 19, he sends some angels down to talk to Lot. What's Lot doing in Sodom if God already knows how wicked they are? Would you move your family to a town as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah? We're separating from Abraham because we've got too many camels and sheep and things like that. We need more grazing. Well, he, he's come to Sodom and Gomorrah, and I don't know why. Is it because his daughters can take piano lessons there and become more accomplished, more adept in the things of this world? Are the educational facilities there better than they are anywhere else? My kids are going to love being in a big town like this. And the angels come to, to Lot's family, and Lot sitting in the gate of the city as one of the elders. You can't stay in a hotel. You can't stay in an inn because bad things are going to happen to you there. Come stay in my house. And the men of Sodom come and pound on his door saying, bring those men out that we may know them. I don't wonder why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. I wonder why Lot stayed there. And to me, that's the tragedy of this modern American family. We will sacrifice our children for the opportunities that they have to become more worldly. And that's not the right way to do it. Instead of forgetting about God, we need to remember him. Where is he is everywhere, but sometimes we forget him as the guide to lead me to heaven. I think Jesus knows what he's talking about in John 14, verse 6, when he says, I'm the way. Uh, you can't get to heaven except through me. And I don't think that means we have to be overly righteous. In fact, the writer of Ecclesiastes is, Ecclesiastes is cautioning us against being overly righteous lest we destroy ourselves. We need to be righteous enough to please God and to satisfy our conscience, but we can have some good times. We can have vacations. We can do extracurricular activities with our children. We can have all of this fun in the world without losing sight of Jesus as our guide. He's going to lead me where I need to go, and we need to know that. We need to have some confidence in that. Without him, I'm nothing. He, he's our sacrifice. I appreciate some of the songs Matt led early this morning. I think number two there, the second one he led, uh, had this concept that he, he's a sacrifice for us, and he really is. There's not another Name under heaven given among men wherein you can be saved. You must be saved. 
You can read in the book of Acts, the fourth chapter along about verse 12. Well, let me read with you from the book of Titus. In Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good works. And this needs to identify every one of us. I need to be busy helping people. I need to be busy doing good like Jesus did when he was on the earth. Realizing that he is the Savior and I can't save myself. I'll never get to heaven because of how good I am, because of how many good deeds I have done. Every now and then, Nita and I will sit around and talk about, not, not the good deeds we've done, but why did the Lord want me to preach all of those years? I, I don't know. Have we touched a life? And then we can start recounting. This one and this one and this one. I may have told you there was a girl we knew 50 years ago in the town where we live that called on the phone a day or uh, a year or so ago and said, do you remember me? Yes. She used to babysit for us. She wasn't a member of the church. One of her friends was. And the two of them would come together to babysit for us. Mary, yes. I know you. I remember your father. I remember a lot of things about you. I know you. I just wanted to call and say thank you for what you did for me. Do you know how heartwarming that is? To hear that you've touched a life? And not just that one, but others, countless others through the years. That's why God wants us on this earth, I think. I can't say for sure. It's an I think. Because we can touch lives here and there. And you can do the same thing. Just being who you really want to be in the world. Jesus died for me. I need to live for others. And that doesn't mean you can't get off by yourself and regain your strength. You can't get off with your family and have a good time. It's just saying God wants us to balance our life. Jesus is our mediator. 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, verse 5. For there's one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Jesus Christ. Do you understand what he's saying there? In the Old Testament, Moses is described as a mediator. God at one time told Moses, I'm just going to destroy all of these people in the wilderness. And I'm going to start with you and your family and I'm going to build a new nation. And Moses stood in the gap between God and man. And he said, Lord, if you destroy them, take me with them. How much courage would it take to do that? God, if you want to punish this world, start with me. That's a lot of courage. And here stands Jesus between man and God. I pray to God through Jesus. I don't have a right to talk to him face to face. 
One day I believe I will. Before the throne of God, I'll be able to bow and say, thank you, Father, for what you've done. Right now, I'll say it through Jesus. Uh, there's a similar thought to me, and I just revel in these words in the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter. Verse 14. Therefore, therefore, it is following on the heels of what he's already said. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things like we are, yet without sin, and it goes on. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Jesus, ask the Father, forgive me. And I know he will, and I know he understands because he suffered all things like we are. He never yielded to temptation. I do. He's the mediator. He will express to God how I feel. We understand Romans the 8th chapter says the Holy Spirit will communicate with God the things that I can't put into words. Well, here Jesus is doing the same thing. He can express to God my feelings, my deepest thoughts. He's the mediator. And I don't want us to forget him as that so that when we make mistakes, we can go to God through Jesus and Jesus presents our petition to the Father. This is one of my friends, one of my brothers, one of my sisters. Please forgive them. And he does. Jesus presents and God forgives us. Don't, don't misunderstand that. God forgives us. What have I done that he can't forgive? Nothing that I can't repent of and say, Father, forgive me, forgive me. I don't know that I need to be able to say that every day of the world. I'd like to think there are some days that I'm actually a pretty good person. And then there are days when I'm not. And when I'm not, God is there. And he will forgive. I want you to know as well that he's our judge. The times of their ignorance, Acts 17, God cut overlook Old Testament times. But now he commands all men everywhere to repent. Because he's appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he appointed. Jesus, the Son of God. I really want to share with you the book of Revelation. Three of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Revelation 4, 5, and 6. Chapter 4. We search through heaven looking for a Savior. There's a book I've got to be able to open. I want to. I wept much because nobody was found in heaven or earth or under the earth who could open it, but Satan couldn't do it. Michael the archangel couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. And I, I, I'm sorry about that. I wept much. And there's one. There's one. Jesus, the Son of God. And he ascended up to the right hand of God and he sat on the throne and there is praise in chapter 5 for what he was and what he is and what he did. That's the Son of God. And don't ever forget who he is and what he's able to do. 
But in chapter 6, verse 16 and 17, let me do verse 15 as well. The kings of the earth and the great men of the commanders of the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of the Lamb, uh, presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Do you get that? The wrath of the Lamb. Now, sheep have teeth, and I don't know a lot about them. They, they nibble on grass, and sometimes they eat it down closer to ground than they need to. And that's what the, the ranchers in the Old West used to say. Uh, cattle can't live where sheep are, and I don't know anything about that. But these, this is not a sheep. It's a, a lamb, a little one. And I cannot for the life of me imagine a lamb baring its teeth and growling at you. Can you? The wrath of the Lamb. Jesus takes so much from us. He puts up with so much from me. That one day, I hope this is not true. That I want to hide in the depth of a cave and pray for the mountain to fall on me so Jesus can't find me. And that day will never come when we are hidden from the one who sits on the throne. And I don't want us ever to forget God, the only forgotten Son of God. Remember Him as Savior, as Savior. And after Trent's lesson, you're going to be offered an opportunity to be responsive to the gospel of Jesus if you need to. Now we'll be led in prayer.